1: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito Com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thief ends April 3rd, 2023. Void were prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Com. You can really only laugh at it. It's It's just... Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, St. Louis Blues. We are joined this time by Laura Astorian. Did I say that correctly? You did. Oh, awesome. Sometimes I'm good for getting it right. <laughs> Laura Astorian, who is the site manager for St. Louis Game Time. Laura, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Very good. I just saw the Flyers tie the game. Yeah, They're playing yeah. the Hurricanes right now. It's very exciting. Um, also, not very common this season what? for us.
0: Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> you know how it is. It, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the blues, on the other hand, have been quite good this season. Right now they are sitting third in the central division behind uh, Colorado and Minnesota. Minnesota continues to surprise me. Yeah, I me too. I expect them to be that good. And then out of nowhere, they're just good. Um, but it's been a while since we played the blues. So I guess kind of high level. How have the blues looked so far this season?
0: Um, for the most part, they've looked really good. Um, I've really enjoyed watching them, uh, blow past all of the preseason, uh, predictions that everybody had them just barely missing the playoffs and the Blackhawks making it. So I really enjoyed watching that play out and watching Chicago not be good. Um, they've been, they've been fine. Um, the only issue the blues have really consistently had all year, I think has been with their defense. Um, and then of course the whole goaltending controversy. I get. I. I don't know. We tend to manufacture goalie controversies where there aren't any. So, but as far as like consistency of play and just really going out there, um, it's been there almost every night except for when we're playing non-playoff teams, which, you know, there's a sliver of hope there tomorrow for you guys.
1: I was actually, I'm glad that you said that. I was, I was actually gonna bring that up. I was looking at the the last couple of games that the Blues have played, and they've won most of them, except for one weird shootout loss to the Montreal Canadiens, who are, you know, on actual fire right now. (laughs) Um, And I actually kind of like when that kind of thing happens when I do these little pregame podcasts because I kind of want to know, like, how how did that very bad hockey team beat your pretty good hockey team? Because that's something that I feel like, you know, maybe the Flyers could copy what the Canadians (laughs) did in that game and figure out how to beat the Blues. So what was it about that game that led to them losing? Oh, boy. It's it's been a habit for – I mean, honestly,
0: I've always kind of joked that the Blues, like, play down to their competition. But, like, it's kind of been that way the past couple of seasons, and they they did it against uh, the Devils. They they lost that game to New Jersey that they really – should not have lost. And, and they did it again, you know, last Thursday against Montreal. And I really think the problem is just that there's, they, they think when, when they're going into the game that, you know, when they're playing a, a team, that's not a playoff team, that they can kind of take their foot off the gas. And mm. like, there were, I think that, uh, I forgot how, uh, how it was phrased by a couple of the guys in the post game, um, post game interviews, but there were, there were some, there were some loafers on that team that night that just, I don't know. They just kind of figured, well, we're playing the Canadians and, you know, I don't really have to do as much or, you know, Hey, somebody else has got it or, or what the deal was. But there were a few plays out there. that just looked like they were just going through the motions. And I really think that that's been, been the problem every time, or almost every time they've lost um, to to a team that's not doing well, it's just they just kind of go, oh, well, we got this. And and they don't got it. Because they did the <laughs> same thing against Arizona at the start of the year. <laughs> and I was like, how did you lose to the Coyotes? You know, and then it turned into how did you lose to the Devils? And how did you lose to the Canadians? And it's like, well, they just kind of just didn't try, <laughs> honestly.
1: We've seen a lot of that in Philadelphia. Um,
0: yeah, I know. I'm I'm really sorry. I've been really disappointed by by seeing especially because I figured, you know, after the off season the Flyers would have
1: really come out of the gate and stayed out of the gate. But Yeah. Yeah. It did not happen. We thought so too. And it's it's been pretty much like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And on top of it, no one's playing good hockey. So yeah. I mean, y'all
0: got popped with injuries and COVID too, didn't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, we, we had, you know, the big trade this summer was for the Ryan Ellis trade and we got four games out of him before he was done for the entire season. So. <laughs> oh my God.
0: I'm so sorry. That's terrible. <laughs> that is, oh my God. That's
1: awful. You can really only laugh at it. It's, it's just,
0: but it, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm almost used to happening to like the blues,
1: <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, well, Yeah. You
0: know,
1: what do you do? Right. Looking at the stats, um, I was, I mean, it's not really surprising that Vladimir Tarasenko leaves the team in points because he's, you know, really, really good. Um, But given how vocal he was about, you know, not really wanting to be in St. Louis and all of the trade rumors and it kind of seemed like a foregone conclusion that he was going to be traded from the Blues and he wasn't. Given, like, all of that that happened in the offseason, did you expect to have him to have this kind of monster season? Or did you kind of think that, you know, he was going to take his foot off the gas a little bit because he was so unhappy?
0: You know, that's that's a really good question. And I think I think a fair answer is I wasn't sure. Um, because part of me was kind of like, well, if he doesn't really want to be here. But, I mean, he's never really been a player to to coast. And... I mean, once he didn't get traded because, I mean, clearly Doug Armstrong couldn't get what he wanted for him, and people were kind of lowballing, I'm sure, uh, because of Tarasenko's, um injury history. I also kind of wonder, like, well, you know, if Tarasenko was out and it hasn't happened yet, then, you know, maybe he'll play to elevate his value, you know, to prove those GMs that that lowballed the team wrong, and to kind of, you know at least raises value on the open are on a trade market. So that way, you know, a trade can happen. So I, I, kind of think that's what's been going on this year, but at the same time too, I really think that being on that line that he's on with Robert Thomas and Pavel Buchnevich has been like completely rejuvenating for him. And I think that, I mean, honestly, that second line has been a huge part of um, the blue success recently. And, you know, keeping them together, I guess, is probably going to be, you know, something that um, that's going to happen for more games than more games than not for the rest of the year. So I think that's a big part of it is just getting him time with the players he needs to be with him being healthy and just kind of going, hey, you're here. You know, you're the guy you're here for as long, however long you're here and we expect you to produce. And clearly he expects himself to produce. And I think it's just working out best for everybody.
1: Yeah, it's interesting looking at last year, this year. Obviously, last season was weird, um, short, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but looking at last season's 56 games, we just about there this season, about 10 games away. And last yeah. year, the points leaders for the Blues were, you know, like, totally different. Like, I feel like when when there's not a lot of roster turnover, usually you're rear. The points leaders are, are kind of the same. But last year, it was, you know, David Perrin, Ryan O'Reilly, Mike Hoffman, Braden Shen. Um, Tarasenko obviously wasn't up there because he was hurt, but this year it's like a, a totally different list of names. Tarasenko, Buchnevich, Jordan Jordan, Kairu, Robert Thomas, Ivan Barbashev. What is different this season? Why a whole new group of players succeeding?
0: You know, I'm not 100% sure. Because, I mean, honestly, I was thinking about that myself because I was um, reading an article somewhere about David Perron and, like, his drop-off this year. I mean, last year was a points-per-game player, and this year he's had some issues, and... I don't know if it was just, like, some of the guys getting dinged. Because a lot of our top scorers last year got dinged with COVID this year. Um Peron for the second time, so that's horrible luck. Um, you know, and I, 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 part of me kind of wonders if it just took them a while or it's taking them a while to get kind of back into the swing of things. I know that, you know, the team or the players never admit it. But, um, you know, I kind of wonder how much that has to do with it or just – I mean, honestly, it's the only thing I got. Um, Just because I've been... I don't want to use the word disappointed with David Perron, because I've I've always been happy with him every single time he comes back. Um, But, I mean, he just hasn't been putting up the same level of numbers. And, I mean, I I kind of do genuinely wonder if it's not a little bit of a lingering effect from something. Um, Because, I mean, like his use hasn't changed that much and his playing time really hasn't changed that much. The only factor is he missed you know, he missed those games with COVID and he did miss some games back in uh, November, I think um, with a, with a high hit that he got um, against the Red Wings, I think it was. And he's got himself a concussion history. So I don't know if he's being a little bit tentative because of that. Maybe not wanting to put himself out there quite so much so he doesn't get you know, his, what, fourth career concussion?
1: Yeah, it makes sense.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not really exactly sure what the deal If it's just the case of the young guys kind of finally clicking and coming into their own or or what the deal is. But as long as somebody clicks, that's, that's all <laughs> I
1: right. right. I guess it doesn't really matter who's, you know, scoring 25 goals as long as, you know, half your team's scoring 25 goals, which seems to be happens. <laughs> I get it where I can get it. Um, so I saw on St. Louis game time that our pal Braden Shen just scored his 100th goal as a St. Louis Blue, which is wild to think. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Because time isn't real and it doesn't feel like it's been that long since. <laughs> I know, right? Oh my god. Um, how's he doing? Just like for for our information.
0: He's doing good, I think. Um, you know, he hasn't. Um, I don't. I don't know if this year, like points wise, he's been like as consistent as he should be, but. One thing I've always really liked about Shen, and I think he's he's doing a good job growing into it is his leadership role on the team um, mm. he's really kind of struck me especially in like the post game interviews um as as one of like the go to leadership voices um and he's not afraid of, to hold himself accountable or the the team accountable where he needs to and I really appreciate that I mean he's definitely been one of the mo- more um Full package players, I think that we've had in a while, and his his contract extension the other year was was great and reasonable. So I'm hoping he hangs around for a while.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's we love to see guys doing well in their new homes, so oh. it's it's good. Um, you mentioned earlier the uh, goalie situation slash <laughs> controversy. Um, as someone who admittedly pays. Zero attention to the Western Conference until the playoffs, which is probably terrible. But um, I know Jordan Biddington has been very bad, which kind of brings me joy because he seems like a dick. Um, and then, you have, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his, his, his numbers are pretty bad. He's got an 898. Oh. Um, yeah. And then there's a uh, Ville Huso? Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Yeah. His numbers are uh, crazy good. He's got a 936. Um, he's played 19 games. Jordan has played 24 games. Is there an actual goalie controversy or is Bennington definitely still the number one goaltender in St. Louis?
0: Well, I mean, there was actually a really interesting piece that came out today. It's like an opinion piece in the post-dispatch. Um, I think it was a Hodgman piece, but talking about how, like, the similarities between Huso right now and Bennington the year that they, they went on the run or like, crazy uncanny and the situation is very similar to what Bennington did to to Jake Allen you know Allen did his usual January December January run a crappy play and Bennington stepped in and took it over and this year it looks like Bennington got a jump on on Allen because his crappy play started (laughs) uh, late November-ish and Uso got a hold of it and he's been the hot hand and they've been been riding him since then and I mean my philosophy with goalies is always whatever works and whatever gets you the points do it
1: yeah. yeah but
0: like I don't know if there's so much of a controversy as as much as like for some reason and I don't know why but I feel like blues fans are always very resistant to the idea of there being a 1A 1B goalie tandem even though that's like basically what the team has had almost every season since probably 2008 2009 Like, we've always kind of found a balance between 1A and 1B, and then, you know, when 1A falters, 1B picks it up, and vice versa, and I kind of feel like that's what's happening now. It's just that it's really hard to figure out, like, what in the world is going on with Jordan Biddington right now. Um, If it's technique, or if he, you know, if it's something else, or he needs to speak to a sports psychologist, or, like, what the deal is going on with him. yeah. But I mean, the Blues can't keep putting him in games and keeping their fingers crossed. And you know, maybe this is the one that he that he gets you know everything worked out in because I mean, it's not I mean, NHL's not charity like we're you know we're gonna play the goalie that you know that that gets the team the points. The Blues aren't gonna play the guy that they really hope you know finally shakes it off. So I mean, it's a little bit of a mess, but it would be a bigger mess if neither goalie were playing well. Right. So. I mean, I'm just kind of like, you know, whoever whoever gets us the wins, I'm fine with. I'm not particularly loyal to, to either one of them. I just, honestly, I just think Bennington worked better when he was like the mysterious goalie that came out of nowhere and mm. had that whole calm and collected persona. And then for whatever reason, after the Stanley Cup run, like closer to the end of the year, season before last, I noticed he started to get kind of a... I don't know if it was an attitude or a temper or what the deal was. And like, since then, he, he just hasn't been the same. And I'm like, you got to like channel your irritation at your play in a different direction than, you know, taking swings
1: at people 20 feet away from you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just play better, (laughs) you know? That's one way to do it.
1: -hmm. As a fan, are you worried about that contract?
0: Honestly, when it was signed, I really wasn't super duper excited about it. Um, yeah, I was like, "Wow, small sample size. That's a lot of money." Um, I mean, I, I'm completely on board with rewarding somebody that that helped you win the Stanley Cup like that. Like, I knew I knew he was going to get paid, but I just kind of thought that you know, for for the number of games that we had him in a starting position, you know, and just such a lightning in a bottle situation that like, I don't think anybody expected him to be the exact same way the season after that. But (laughs) I just, I mean, but on the other hand, I also understand like that's the market and it's either test the market and get an unknown quantity with your team or stick with what you know, or you hope, you know, works for like a pretty reasonable price for a starting goalie. I mean, I I think I, I can completely see both sides. Of that, but I just, I mean that that contract kicks in next year, so he better get his ducks in a row before before he starts getting paid six million dollars a year to have you know numbers in the near the bottom of the league's goalies.
1: Yeah, signing I feel like literally any goalie to a long term contract is just so chancy.
0: There's, goalies are streaky and weird. I mean, look at Cam Ward after. um He won his cup in in Carolina and, you know, got paid and became
1: really super inconsistent. You would think that NHL GMs would have learned from Carey Price just because he was so good. And then just really really bad you would think they never learn a lesson though so it's oh no oh no they
0: never pay any attention to because they're always like well that was that guy's decision that's not (laughs) going to happen here and (laughs) of course it's going to happen here because you said it wasn't so and it almost always does it does like you would think at some point some gm would be like wait a second i've learned a lesson from another team but it, it, they, I always feel like they kind of have a, this weird culty, like, hive GM hive mind mm-hmm. going. And what one GM determines to be what teams need to do, the other GMs all do. And it's just exhausting.
1: It really is. So outside of the big name players that we've kind of talked about a little bit, is there anybody um, who might not be on our radar who's been kind of sneaky good this season Ooh. that we should
0: I mean, honestly, Ivan Barbashev has been really good all season, regardless of where where he's been placed. He's he's played well. He's kind of cooled off a little bit recently because just yeah, be it, moving around a little bit. But when he was on the line with Bushnevich and Tarasenko, he was putting up points left and right. So I would definitely say Barbashev. And, of course, there's always Jordan Kairou, like. This year's been such a breakout year. I mean, like it's it, it's good that the rest of the league has finally started to kind of kind of notice him a little bit more. He's kind of getting some some notoriety where he where he deserves it. And I'm trying to think, probably nobody on the defense. <laughs> um I hate to say it like that, but our our defense this year has been less than ideal.
1: Which is wild considering I I always used to think of the Blues as like you know, a super strong defensive team. Yeah, so did
0: we. <laughs> <laughs> but this year, I just, I mean, part of it is still trying to, you know, losing Petrangelo and Bo Meester that pairing really, really sucked. But half of that was unavoidable, unfortunately. And half of that was Petrangelo's was just asking for, like, a ton of money. Um, Honestly, Falk and Krug have been really good. Like, that pairing has been good. And, um... Pareco and Mikola have, have calmed down, but I still don't think Colton Pareko's at 100% from his, his back problems last year. So that's been an issue. And clearly that third pairing of uh, Robert Bartuzo and Marco Scandella is just like... It's liability central. Even though is out right now and Jake Wallman's in. And Wallman's been playing pretty well, but it's just they're just not... Big and, and tough and defensive and the big one we have in Pareko he doesn't really put himself out there to make any huge physical defensive moves and I think a good part of that is because his back's still tweaked or whatever it is he did to it
1: so if defense has been the weakest part of the Blues game this season what would you say has been the high point
0: um I think the for the most part the consistency in the offense has been really really nice um Especially on with their with their power play, and I mean their their penalty kills been really good this year too. But like I don't get that feeling of oh here come the Blues, they're going to score two goals and and the, and that's it. Like there's there's a little bit of an expectation I think among Blues fans that not every night, but more often than not that they're going to put shots on net and they're they're going to score on a lot of them. So that's been that's been good. It's just sometimes the teams that have held them back from doing that have been the teams that, you know, you would have expected the Blues to put five goals up against, like, I don't know, Montreal, <laughs> you know? So, so it's been a little, like here and there, it's been a little spotty, but overall I've been really, really happy with uh, with, the, with the team's offense. Like, I, I can't say enough about the second line right now and how consistent and how good they've been.
1: The final thing I'll ask you, which okay. is the final thing I ask everyone, is for a shot-in-the-dark prediction for the final score of this game.
0: Oh, no, I'm so bad at predicting stuff. <laughs> um,
1: let's see. Well, we're playing a non-playoff team,
0: so mm-hmm. that makes
1: it even harder. Who, by the way, just mm-hmm. lost in overtime to the Hurricanes. Oh, so they're yes. coming with a loss. I'm sorry. That's okay. At
0: least they got a point out of it. That's good.
1: <laughs> I don't know. We're kind of rooting for a tank at this point. <laughs> Might
0: as well. I don't know. I think Montreal might still have you beat.
1: Oh, yeah. Let's see. A prediction. I
0: will say maybe 4-3 Blues in overtime. Okay. I'll live on the edge a little bit and predict a Blues win, but just enough to to keep it interesting.
1: I can see that happening.
0: But I'm sure it'll probably be like a 5-1 Philadelphia
1: blowout. (laughs) Yes. That's the if way the
0: Blues have been playing. You'll,
1: so. you'll find me on the floor <laughs> in my heart if that happens. Um, I'm gonna guess that this is a. Mm, I'm gonna say four-two Blues win. That seems reasonable. Yeah.
0: I think we can man-
1: I think they can manage that. Hopefully, they should be able to, unless, like you said, they decide that they're just going to play Flyers hockey, and then who knows what we'll get. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <Okay. laughs>
0: That's part of the reason why I've been looking forward to this game. It's a mystery.
1: Yeah, it should, it, it'll be a fun one, at least. I'm going, so hopefully, if nothing else, it's a good game.
0: Oh, well, I hope so, because there's nothing worse than
1: going to a game and
0: having it be a blowout loss. Absolutely. I've, as a former Thrasher season ticket holder, I have experienced <laughs> a lot of those at the hands of the Flyers, so. The good
1: old days. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, guys. <laughs> Laura, where can <do> people <laughs> find you on the Internet?
0: Um, I am over at St. Louis Game Time um, and also on Twitter at, at
1: Hildy Mac. Great. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh,
0: Anytime. Thank you for having me.
1: No problem. Everyone head on over to St. Louis Game Time and check out their content. It is excellent, as always. Laura, thank you, everyone listening. Thank you. I hope you all enjoy the game. Go Flyers.
0: Thank you. Have a good night.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.